all the desire. Oh, oh. I just want it so bad. Oh, you know. Amazing. And it just seems so real. It's right there. Just want to reach out and touch it. For what all disappears. Sometimes it feels like everything is passing me by. Every now and then it feels like my ship has gone and sailed away. But I, I gotta be strong. Gotta hold on It won't be too long Now the tide is coming in I see the waves flowing Out there on the ocean I know my ship is coming in Just at the horizon And right where the sky is Out there on the ocean Oh, my ship is coming in So don't leave me hanging I've been waiting too long For this moment My ship has finally come I will travel to the seven Like fighting with gravity And it's bringing me down If this world is really round Then tell me how It just don't know you to come around now. Hello, hello, hello everyone And welcome to the live episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show Rodney and I'd like to thank you all for Tuning in with us tonight Sharing your Monday night with us uh, Rodney, are you on? How is it going? I think, it's, yeah, I do see your number. How is it going? Rodney? Okay. Well, we'll just keep going. I think Rodney will be on with us here shortly. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in with us tonight. We have another great topic. Well, we always think we have a great topic of discussion. So, um, tonight's topic is resentment, the war inside of yourself. Again, resentment, the war inside of yourself. And I'm going to read the show details um, a little in a little bit here, but before we do that, I want to remind you that the chat line is open, and it for sure is. I made sure this time. So for those of you who are listening by way of chat, remember you can connect with us there, submit your questions or comments there on the chat line. You do have to be a registered follower of the show. Simple and easy process if you're not already a follower. Just log on to the blogtalkradio.com button backslash butterfly evolution and just follow the prompts. Or you can just Google butterfly evolution and uh, it'll take you to the radio site and you can follow the prompts. Uh, selected there, just select follow and it'll tell you what to do. Remember, you can you select a username, password, or you can make it easy, register using Facebook, Twitter, um, and I think that's it for now. But you can uh, create your own username or password if you want to re- remain anonymous. 
So that's for the chat line. If you're listening by way of phone, remember to select the number one, and we will pull you in to the show, identifying your call by providing the area code and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from. A lot of you or many of you also listen from the link on Facebook. Remember, we can't see you there. So best thing for you to do if you have a question or comment is send us, Rodney or myself, a a message behind the scenes, or you could just post right there on the link. I've shared it a couple of times over the weekend and I think maybe once or twice today as well. So that's how you connect with us tonight. Um, Before getting into tonight's topic and moving forward, I just want to, every now and then I feel it's necessary, and this is one of those topics where I'm just kind of led to go back and talk about butterfly evolution, what what, when, where, why, and and, and all of that good stuff. Um, Life just seems to be really, really difficult for a lot of people. I found myself a few days ago just wondering why, and I'll just be honest with you, I found myself saying, what in the hell is going on? Why is everybody, why does most people seem to be so angry? Like, just intentionally angry like there's almost nothing you can say or do you can you can speak you can you can try to talk and a lot of people just seem angry for whatever reason and so I found myself asking myself that question um I was just kind of out and about that day and running errands and just kind of realized that I keep running into people who seem to be just kind of in a bad place And unfortunately, it seems that it's more often than not. So I want to just kind of tell you what Butterfly Evolution is about tonight. And simply, if I had to pick the three words that I'd like to explain is that we're not victims. That's too many. We are not victims, victims, so it's about four. But we are not victims to any of our situations or circumstances. Um, The reason why, because... If you tell me your story, I can tell you someone else's story that is ten times worse. But that person may have made it through. And so we have to make a choice, whether we're sad or happy, um, going to live intentional, if we're going to seek out our purpose. But whatever you're doing, good or bad, you're making a choice. And it's not to say that we're never going to have things, situations come up in our lives that we don't perceive to be um, bad things or why me kind of things. It's not what you go through. It's how you go through it. And, and, and trust me, it's not an easy thing, easy to go through things, but we cannot do life we cannot transform, which which is what Butterfly Evolution is about as well, transforming, changing, turning that mirror inward. Um, I passed a a car, car, it's not a dealership, a car, car place, auto mechanic place. And at the time, I, my mind just wasn't on the place, but there was a sign outside that said, do you need a mirror? And I thought, wow, what a a wonderful sign. And it wasn't until I came back, I'm on the opposite side of the street now, and I was coming back and I wanted to turn around and, you know, just turn turn my head around and look at the sign again. Well, they had changed it 
now what I forgot what it was that they like do you need a tire or something like that but whatever it was I then I realized oh they weren't talking about the kind of mirror that I'm talking about they're talking about a real mirror that goes on your car but it just kind of showed me where my mind was I totally tuned out the place which now makes their sign have a different meaning than what I see when I think about the mirror turning turning the mirror inward so that you can deal with you. And until we do that, we're going to have the resentment, we're going to have the anger, we're going to have those things that seem to drive us away from who we really are, away from our purpose, away from the things that we need to deal with so that we can get rid of things like resentment. So butterfly evolution is basically about transforming, dealing with yourself, understanding yourself, um, working on you, turning that mirror inward. We have what we call our trash can baby, and what that basically means is we ask this um, for anybody who is trying to really figure out um, how – I don't think we take um, – I don't think we really understand or think about enough how how our mind keeps up with the most small and insignificant things that have become habits to us. Um, and you're going simply going to your trash can, going to the location of where it is. If you do this, you'll see that this too has become a habit. But it's not about the trash can. It's not because that is a small thing. But it's more about the things that we do hold on to, the things that are not so good for us, but we're just putting up with them because we are uh, comfortable or we are afraid to, to make the change, which which I'm going to tie that in later with tonight's topic as we talk about the conflict. Um, but we ask that you move your trash can, and then as you go about your day and your way, take Take count as to how often you go back to where you moved it from. And this will allow you to see how we keep up, how our mind just subconsciously keeps up with things that does not seem so important or a big deal. But what 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 about when we get to those big things, when we have to make those big decisions? Is it does it keep us from doing so, especially if we know that it's going to make us move out of our comfort zone? So do that. Keep in touch with us about that, uh, letting us know how many times you go back. And if it's more than, than you living in the house, make it fun. Um, put a little chart up and, and, you know, be honest about how many times you go back to where you moved it from. So before we move forward, reminding you also you sow a thought Reap an action, you sow action, you reap habit. You sow habit, you reach character, and then from character, your destiny. So your thoughts are taking you somewhere. And I first saw this quote uh, in a Stephen Covey. Uh, he's an author, and he's author of the Seven Habits of the High, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't think Stephen is it's, it's his baby, but. That's the first book that uh, I saw it in, and I highly recommend The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Another way that I've seen this same uh, quote written is basically watch your, watch your thoughts because they become words, and everything after that is the same, meaning your action and so in action and reaping habit, habit reaping character, and character reaping 
destiny. But I like that way as well. Watch your thoughts because they become words. And we we don't, for the most part, not many of us really, really do. What the word tells us to do is take every thought captive. I literally have to do that every day, sometimes all day, every day, most times all day, every day, because something will come up in your mind so quickly until it makes you wonder, <laughs> where, did, where did this come from? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I acting this way? And if you really sit and think, just for a moment, what should I do with this? Is this for my benefit? Is this going to make me feel um, greater later? Is it going to make me regret some things? Am I going to say something? Am I going to feel some kind of way? Um, and in most cases, if you sit and do that, if you dissect your, your thoughts before you allow them to become words, because there are power in words. So uh, just wanted to share that because I don't think we've shared that in a while, in a couple of weeks maybe, um, on the show. So what I'll do is read the, I'm going to start with reading the uh, episode info. And again, the topic for tonight is resentment, the war inside yourself. Resentment is defined as a feeling of anger due to real or imaginary injury or offense. It is often said that resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. This sounds insane, but let's take it a bit further with a powerful question. Who or what are you drinking poison for, and whose death are you waiting on? Resentment, resentment makes you feel as though you are in control. However, resenting someone or something is actually giving up your control. I changed the word here. Revenge is the raging fire that consumes the arsonist. Because, and I wanted to do that because I think resentment turns into this kind of revenge thing. Well, you made me feel this way, and now I feel this way, and I'm gonna feel. I'm gonna. My revenge is going to be my response to you, or lack thereof, or my feelings toward you, or the way that I act towards you or avoid you and things like that. So we get into this kind of back and forth thing when resentment sets in. So um, I think we have Rodney now. Rodney? Can you hear me, Sammy? Yes, I can hear you now. I was trying to get you to pull me in. I was in the car. It's me and I were on our way home. Oh, oh, well, I, oh. Well, I did try to get. I did speak out, telling, seeing where you there, and I saw you on the phone. But I thought maybe you weren't ready to come in, just calling in, because you said you're going to be late. Okay. No, because we were in the car. If I'm, okay. if it, uh, being that I was on the phone, it wouldn't give me data access, so it wouldn't allow me uh-huh. to pull myself in. Okay. Okay. Well, how's it going for you today? You know, <laughs> like I like I've told everybody. I don't I like I'm very slow to say that any day is a bad day. So I'm just gonna say it was a different day. <laughs> it was a what day? Huh? What kind of day was it today? It was a different day. A different. Okay, I like that word. Okay. Meaning it was not a day that I'm accustomed to. I tend okay. to uh I tend to avoid stress and drama. I think I do a good job of that. 
Um, I try to catch those things when they are about a mile away, and I seem to avoid them. Uh, but today just wasn't that day. So I'm just going to say it was a different day. Um, it wasn't a bad day, uh, but definitely a lot of unexpected things happened today. Uh, but nevertheless, I am here. Uh, so this just further uh, confirms my belief that there there are no exceptions and there are no excuses. Right, right. And I don't know if you were on earlier when I said about the victims. I don't know if you got to hear the part where I spoke about um, we are not victims and the reason why, because it's a good way to explain it to people or help people understand that no matter what you've gone through, someone else has has it worse or have had it worse, and they've made it through. So it has to be a decision, and it is, and it's it's work. Even with tonight's topic, resentment, and I think a lot of people, many of us, if we would be honest, me included, yeah. I raised my hand first. Um, I, I I am nothing like I was, but looking back as I continued to grow, boy, did I keep things bottled in. Boy, did resentment set in. Boy, did anger set in and all these things. And, and it really is, it's like, like I said here, it's the raging fire that consumes the arsonist. So it's like you starting a fire and then you, you being consumed in that fire. You start it, you don't have the sense enough to get out or you don't make you don't you don't make it a point to get out. Like that's that's think about that. And that's what resentment does. Um I read the episode info and I wanna focus on a few things out of that, um and then I'll turn it over to you, Rodney, before moving on. The real or imaginary offense. Um, it is so important. I think we forget which is why we have some resentment from you know with people in the beginning that no matter what real or imaginary if someone is offended it doesn't give us a reason to react negatively because everybody has a place that they live from everyone has their own story. Everyone has been hurt in their own way. Um, everyone has ex- had or has expectations of of how their life should should be or they wanted it to be. And we get into a lot of us. I think have gotten caught up in um, I think just conforming, whether it be from the way that we were raised or just following the crowd. We have learn to conform in many ways. And I think the most person the, the person that we resent the most is ourselves. For allow for for where we are, for allowing people, things and all everything else, the world to get the best of us so much so until we stop fighting. And when you stop fighting for your own freedom, for your own um for your purpose, for your life, for your happiness, when you stop showing up for your life, you stop showing up. And so we got to go back to the question I, I found, found myself asking, why does everybody seem to be so angry? I mean, like, you can speak to people today and it's just like, what's going on? You can feel their spirit. You can feel the anger. You can feel the disappointment. So real or imaginary injury or offense, we have to, we have to grow up enough 
to look at people with with um, I'll say kingdom kingdom eyes to love them with a kingdom heart um, and listen with kingdom ears and that's not always easy and like Rodney made a decision today he rarely says you know oh. I don't think I've ever heard him say he's had a bad day, so I shouldn't even say rarely. But today he chose to say it was different because he doesn't perceive any any day as a really bad day. How wonderful will it is it would it be if people really, if we, include myself, um, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I think I look at my days differently, um, but. I, there are still some days I think, oh boy, this 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 was a crazy, this was a bad day. So, but I'm getting there. And so again, that there's that mirror. So until we turn that mirror inward, and I think when you do turn it inward, you forget about trying to make somebody else conform, because you're like you're like I need to deconform, if that's the word. I'm I got to break free from what I've conformed to. I don't have time to judge you. What can I do to help you? It gets you in this point where you want to, you know, help by changing yourself first. And so I think it's most important to realize that or ask yourself, is my resentment towards others really about my resentment about myself, where I am today? And then the other word or or words I'll say for this one, drinking the poison and waiting for someone else to die. And that's what resentment is. That's what anger is. It's like you're holding all of this in. Um, you're mad at someone. You're emotionally erect. Your life is seems to be pure hell everywhere you go, which is why, again, you can, you can approach people and you can try to have a normal, delightful, happy conversation, and it, it seems like you're trying to, you know, say, hey, let me pull your teeth here. Um but we have to be willing to turn that, that mirror in. So who are you drinking the poison for? And whose death are you waiting on? So you think about that. Like you take the poison and you're going to sit here and wait for me to be affected by that poison. And in most cases, people are not, they're not affected by your resentment towards them because most of us don't have the guts to go and say, listen, I felt some kind of way to have that conversation. We're so caught up in our resentment and ourselves and the woe it's me in the egotistic ways until we can't say that I'm hurting, that you've hurt me, you make me feel this kind of way so that there could be a conversation. We'd rather make that decision to hold on to that resentment. So um, I'll turn it back over to you, Rodney. I know I've said a lot, and I don't know how much you heard in the beginning, but I'll turn it turn it over to you to get to get yours out. Well, uh, Tamari and I have been listening ever since the music was playing, so we've caught everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are faithful followers of the Butterfly Evolution Show, <laughs> so you can just raise the roof on that one. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, um, so first of all, there's a lot that, that, that I want to, uh, say or add to this show. Um, when I first saw the title, I immediately thought of my childhood, um, because I resented a lot of people. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of people, 
But I'm going to say I resented probably the most important people in my life um, growing up as a child. And I'll come back to that. But I do want to get these two things out before I get to my childhood. Uh, The first one is, so my former pastor, he used to say that when you can't let things go, when you can't forgive people, you are hurting yourself twice. And he said the reason is whatever they did or whatever they said, that hurt you. So that was the first time you felt the pain. He said, but when you can't let it go, when you can't forgive them, now you're catching it twice because it hurt you the first time because they said it. Now, the longer you go without letting it go or forgiving them, it is now impacting you twice. And he said the the, 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 the saddest thing about the second one is a lot of times people don't know that they've offended you or they've hurt you or angered you. He said, but a lot of times they don't even care. He said, so you're walking around hurt and wounded and bitter and angered and can't move forward, can't be in other relationships, you can't um, close certain doors in your life, you can't move further in your job, your education, like you're just stuck because of what somebody did to you. Meanwhile, they're sleeping well at night because either they don't know that they've hurt you or if they know, they don't even care. So you're walking around carrying this burden, and the person who actually did it, it means nothing to them. And I even told my basketball players today, saying sorry will never fix the situation. The only thing it does is it frees the person who apologizes does nothing for the victim. You go out and you kill somebody's child. You can say sorry all you want. The judge can sentence that person to life. It will never bring that life back. So we have to get to a point where we just learn how to forgive and let go. You'll never forget it. But when you get to a point where you have an opportunity to get even or when you realize it no longer impacts your life in a negative way, you know you've moved on and you know you've forgiven. But I'm going to share this, Tammy, and then I want to get your thoughts on this this here scripture. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 23. It says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So before you give anything in church, 
if you have beef with somebody or they have beef with you or if there is a conflict between you and somebody, the Bible says go and be reconciled with that person. Now, granted, if they don't want to be reconciled, you have no control over that. But it says go and be reconciled to thy brother. Then come give your gift. So before you can even offer anything in church, before you can give anything at the altar, whoever you have a problem with, you have to go and get that right first before you can even offer your gift in church. Now, how many tithes and offerings or other gifts would be rejected because people have things in their heart that they have not gotten right with other people. Because the Bible even says, how can you love God who you've never seen? But you can't even love the people that you look at every day. Tammy? Rodney, before, I want to back up a little bit. Thank you for sharing that one. I'm going to um, also read Matthew, well, well, let me read Matthew 18 first, and then I want to go talk about conflict. Um, Matthew 18, starting verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of the two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So think about that one for a minute. And then Proverbs 19 and 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. I'm going to go back to the quote that we used for, well, a quote that we used for this show. And um, basically, if, if you avoid conflict to keep the peace, you start a war inside of yourself. I'm glad Rodney brought that scripture to the forefront because how often, how often do we think about that when we're so graciously giving tithes and offerings? How how often? So we we have this preselected number of of scripture verses that seem to be at the forefront of every um, every sermon on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. Um, but there's there's so much more to growing, and most of the things that that I think pr- produce growth is the seeds that we dig up out of our own stuff, out of our own soul, spirit, and then what we replant them with. So how many times have you even thought about? Because what we'll do, and I'm saying we, what we will do is rather than calling upon our brother. If you think about this quote. We avoid conflict to keep the peace. But how are we really keeping the peace if there's, if there's resentment in our heart for our brothers and sisters, if we're angry at them? And really, it's all about control. 
Because when you start to focus on you um, and a, a domestic, domesticating people, and, and, and that happens, Rodney, I, I thought it was interesting that you said you resented most of the people, because I wrote this down, most of the people, most of the important people in your life. I think some resentment starts when we're very, when we're in our growing ages because uh, we start to feel, to be forced into a life that we soon realize this 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 may not have been my road. This this you you know maybe you shouldn't have tried to conform me into what you think I should be, how you think I should live, and that kind of thing. So we lose a sense of freedom. But after after self, I mentioned earlier that the person that I think we resent the most first is ourselves. We whether we admit it, admit it or not that we're angry with where we are, what we're doing, why didn't we do this, why didn't I speak up for myself, why didn't I say this, why didn't I change this. So you're trying to, we, we try or we think we're avoiding for whatever reason because the, the word does say the truth shall set you free. And it's not what we say. It, it's, not, it's not what we say but how we say it, even in our words and our body language. Um, but we think that avoiding it, Whatever circumstances, situation, and people, we think avoiding it helps us. Like the the episode info said, we think that it gives us control, but it doesn't. If you're drinking the poison, if you're living with it every day, like Rodney said, and people, sometimes they don't know, and sometimes they don't care because it's not going to change them unless they have decided or do decide to turn that mirror inward themselves. But if they won't, you still should because it frees you. It gets the poison out of your body so that you can live live freely. So, Rodney, I think that is a, a, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse that we should really ponder on when we're going down. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly go down and, and give a few dollars here and there, but how many times do we go down and put the people that have offended us or that we feel resentful towards? How many Sundays or whatever day you go to church do we put those people on the altar? How many Sundays are those people on our hearts and we're praying? It's not for them but our feelings toward them. Because that's when you're really trying to honor God. And I feel like if you are... If you are in a relationship with God, if you see yourself as a God-fearing, God-loving, uh, transforming person, then you're going to get to or should get to some point in your life where you start to feel the need to love people unconditionally. doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect every day, but you have a desire to look at people and think, Boy, something something must have really happened. Something has them going back and forth. Because the same with us. I was talking to a friend today, and I said, everybody has a, she said, I bet you think I'm crazy, don't you? I said, you want the true, 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 you know, true answer? I said, yep, I do. I said, but we all have our crazy. I have a few of them. But I said, the, the, the very fact that you acknowledge it today, you, you're, you're in a great place. It's when we deny, when we have this resentment and we're blaming somebody else for it. 
well, you hurt me, or you didn't do it this way, and you didn't say it this way, and this kind of thing, and I want it this way, and blah, 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 the I, I, I. And it really is about conforming, about dodging yourself, about staying where you are in your comfort zone, about keeping that trash can just where you put it 15, 20 years ago because you're comfortable now and you know it regardless of how it makes you feel. You stand in that burning building regardless of how it makes you feel. So we have to ask ourselves, is in conflict, I think we think of conflict as something bad. Even the even the definition of conflict makes it sound like, because it's, it's a serious disagreement or argument. And it said typically a pro- protracted, um, and that basically means delayed. Now, that part I think we do. We delay, a, we delay many things, and by the time it does come out, oh, we're going to really lose the relationship then because it goes like a bomb. It blows up because you've you've held all this in for so very long. So we can think that we're avoiding it, but really what we're doing is the the silence is creating a war within us, which is just what the topic said, the war inside of yourself. Just like Rodney said, it's not about the person because sometimes they don't know until that bomb goes boom. And sometimes it's too late. That makes it too late to repair because if if you waited all this time, then the act of the boom probably will will really just kill the relationship. Rodney, back over to you. Jamie, I don't think you could have come up with a more timely um, topic. Because I think that there are so many people who deal with this and probably don't even realize that they're dealing with it. And when I hear people make certain comments, it lets me know that there's a chance that they resent something or somebody. One of my basketball players last week, was talking about something. And then when I responded, he said, well, I don't care. And I was reminded of something that a coach uh, said um, maybe about 10 years ago when I was still living back home. And it was a similar situation, and the coach said, well, what's the fishing report today? And the the boy looked at him, and he said, huh? He said, what's the fishing report today? And he said, man, I don't know. He said, exactly. He said, because you don't fish, you don't care what the fishing report is today, and that's why you don't talk about it. He said, so if you didn't care about this situation, you wouldn't be talking about it. The same way you never talk about the fishing report. He said, people only talk about things that they care about. So one of the ways to know that something is either bothering you or important to you is if you talk about it. Now, I think in a case where you're trying to help somebody else, 
I think that's different. But when you find a way to bring up certain people or certain situations all the time, that thing is either bothering you or it's important to you. And I'm going to share, I'm going to go ahead and share my own personal um, life story. Growing up, I was the middle child. For those of you listening, you probably can relate, that middle child syndrome. Going back to what Tammy said is imaginary. Everybody in the world is against you because you're the middle child. The oldest is important because they were the firstborn. The youngest is important because they were the lastborn. You know, everybody in the world is against you. And I always felt like I got left out or either things were not fair. If we got a whipping, felt like I got the worst whipping. If we all did the same thing, I felt like it was worse for me. And so because of that, I started acting out. When I first started school, I would go home. Mind you, there were 16 of us living in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom duplex. As small as that space was, no, and, and as overcrowded as we were, I found a spot to do my homework, kindergarten, first, second, third grade. <clears throat> found a spot to do my homework because I was that into school. I was that excited about learning, that excited about getting an education. didn't matter to me that there are <laughs> ashtrays and cigarette books like all around my homework. I just wanted to get an education. I love to read. I was all about, like, just learning. But then I noticed nobody was paying attention. Nobody cared. And so I stopped caring. And I, in my mind, the only way that I could get some attention was I had to do bad things. So I started to do that. And that led to a whole lot of attention I really did not want. And because of that, because of the favoritism, because I thought things were just unfair, everybody was treated better than I was, I started to resent my parents. My dad and my mom were not together, so started to resent my dad. Like, why is it that he doesn't want to talk to me? Why is it that he ignores my phone calls? And no lie, we used to call him like 40 times in like an hour. He would never pick up the phone. And I resented him. Like, why is it that this guy doesn't, like, wait a minute. Why does he want to be bothered with with me? And I was bothered with my dad for a very long time. And eventually, my mom and I had issues. And it wasn't until I was 19 years old, 
And my stepmom finally convinced me to confront my dad about the issues that I had with him. And I did. And like I said a a few minutes ago, the first thing out of my dad's mouth was, I don't know what you're talking about. I never realized I was doing any of that stuff. Now, whether he did or he didn't, whether he was doing or or not, that was the first thing out of his mouth. So here I am, angry my whole life. Because my dad wasn't being who I thought he should have been. And I'm acting out at home, in school, in conversations with him, in my dealings with the world, like I'm I'm just acting out of it. And so I learned that day he does not matter right now. What matters is this is impacting my life in a negative way. And from that day on, I forgave my dad that day. Whether he was guilty or not, it didn't matter to me. What mattered to me was that I got it right within my within myself, within my own heart. And I just didn't let it bother me anymore. And it didn't get better right away because it was 19 years of just craziness. But as time went on, our relationship started to change. And now my dad and I are very close. In fact, I'm close to my dad than any other, uh, than than my mom or my stepmom, closer to my dad, whereas my dad was my, like, my least favorite person to talk to or to go to, closer to him now than anybody. But it took for me to forgive my dad. I'm going to share this too. My mom and I didn't have the best relationship after a while. And I got to a point, it was the same thing. And then it got to a point where when I was older, in college, and even as an adult, my mom would have all types of gatherings, cookouts, parties, you name it. (coughs) She had it. I was never invited. However, it didn't stop me from loving my mom, and it never stopped my mom from loving me. And I would bring it up to her in a joking way. But eventually my mom realized, like, hey, like, we do leave him out of everything. We don't do it intentionally, but we do. Like, he's the only one who always gets left out. So now they tell me things. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. People will only give you what they have. 
And sometimes what they have is not what you want. Sometimes it's not what you need. But it's all they have to give you. Sometimes they want to give you more. But you don't know their heart. Letting people's words and actions drive you to a place that you can't come back from. We can all be resentful. If you search hard enough, you probably can find something wrong with your parents, something wrong with your siblings, something wrong with your boss, something wrong with your spouse. You can find something wrong with anybody. But where is that going to get you? And even Jesus said, (laughs) with love have I drawn thee. And in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 13, it says, love hides a multitude of faults. When you love people, there are a lot of things that just don't even matter. So that's my personal story, or at least part of it. Um, And, Tammy, there are... uh, some other scriptures that I'll get into a little bit later, but I think forgiveness conquers resentment. So that's just my thought. You're, you're right, Rodney. That's really what it, it comes down to. Um, and again, coming back to scripture, how how what does forgiveness mean? Like when you forgive people, I was sharing with Brandon today. <clears throat> And I'll say this again. Well, I don't think I said it on the show tonight. I've said it so much, I guess I thought I did. I went to see The Shack, and I I cannot get that movie out of my head. Like, I want to go back and see it again and again and again. It really made, made me think about some things. And I had already put the show out there and, I'll share with you guys how the show came about. Friday I was working and Brandon called and he wanted to read me something out of a book that he was reading. And he and I'm going to share a little bit of it, but he was reading and I was like, wow, I think that just might be the topic for Monday. And I got up, uh, you know, Friday, went through my Friday. I got up Saturday morning, um, went into my war room to do my my daily prayer and, and, and devotions and things like that. And one of the devotions that I do, it stops on Friday, so that means I have to pick another devotion. I have to pick um, something else to add to to my devotion. So I just, without thought, like I always do, I said, you know, God lead me where I should, you know, where I should be. So I picked up the book, this one book, and it's by Max Lucado that says God's promises for you. Open the book, and there it is, another devotion on uh, resentment, which confirmed, okay, this is what it needs to be, because I just told Brandon I think that may be the topic. So this this is how the topic came about. However, like like most all of our topics, writing notes, we just kind of go back of go back off of what's going on in our lives, how we're feeling, what comes up that strikes us, what comes up that 
that speaks to our spirit and to our to our heart. But the shack, I was sharing with Brandon because I said, "Go see it, go see it." It's, and I told him today, it makes me, it makes me want to just be a blessing to as many people possible. It also makes me look at people differently because, again, we never, we never really know fully what people have gone through, what they're going through, especially from childhood. Rodney, Rodney said a minute ago that he was the middle child. And if we really think about it, there is, the world has given us something for everything, just like he feels some way about being the middle child. The oldest child probably felt some, had some things about being the oldest child. Now here comes the baby. He, he or she now is going to have, because the world says, okay, if you're the baby child, you're treated this way. We buy into that stuff. And now we have parents or families, because remember Rodney also said that he found that younger, when he was younger, he, he, was, he resented the important people in his life. And that is hard to admit as you as you grow up and you you think, who are these people? And like, these people that you're talking about could be your mom, your dad, your sister. You think, who are these people? And if you're saying that about them, somewhere in you, you also start to question, then who am I? Because I am these people. So you have to own. You have to get to a point where you see people. For who they are, and you like Rodney said, you love them for who they are. I'm not saying you have to not be honest and speak your truth, speak up when they hurt you. And I think the reason resentment continues to float around like it does is because we don't speak up, we don't speak out. And when Rodney finally went to his dad, his dad's like, "What are you talking about?" But what if that conversation had happened years before? So do you see the fire that the arsonist set, but he's setting it for himself? You see the poison that you're drinking, but you're dying? You're waiting on somebody else to die, but you're you're the one dying? If Rodney would have had that conversation with his dad long before, it may would have helped him through and out of some things or avoid some things. And so awesome for Rodney to say, because he, in, in his eyes, his dad was not who he thought he should be, or maybe even acting the way he thought he should act. So we have to get, we have to get to that point that we just see people for who they are, be as honest with them in the most loving way, but working on ourselves. There's a verse that says that do not take heart all the things that people say. And if you think about how many times have you said something, we, no, I have, because my, my, my little mouth probably should have been had me in some corner or somewhere. I'm working on it. I'm getting better. But in my other days, I would be like, whatever, say whatever. I got to that point. I wasn't in, in the beginning. But it got to the point where it was just like, okay, I'm just sick of people walking over me. Because it seemed like the, the better you treat people, the worse they treat you. That's how it seemed. So 
I want to share, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rodney. I want to share this part of um, this is this book is called The Mastery of Self, and the part that Brandon there's a there's much more to it. I ended up ordering the book actually on Saturday and got it today. Ordered it off Amazon because of how just how how great the the few things that Brandon does call and read to me or say let's look at this or read this one. But this is overcoming resentment and forgiving others. Rodney mentioned about the forgiving part. And this is what he read me on Friday. And so it goes, uh, when you look back and review the beliefs, ideas, and conditions that you have tried to live up to, you often realize that their origin resides in the the domestication you experienced in the past. This can be a very troubling realization for some of you, depending on the level of subjugation you experienced growing up. If those with power inflicted their will on you via force or manipulation, and especially if the subjugation was harsh or even extreme, it can be very difficult and almost impossible in some cases to see them through the eyes of unconditional love. Even for those of you who didn't have a particular have a particularly traumatic experience with domestication, there are very few people who don't have some anger or bitterness over incidents that occurred during their formative years, formative years. And so domestic the domestication is basically about uh and I think we may, if we, and not to down parents, this is not down parents night, but, but we, even, even me with Brandon, I got to a point in my life where I, I, I realized I've tried to make this, this, make this young man everything I want him to be, everything I think he should be. Um, and now I think if he listened, he, he probably would have been, much more happier, but um, because I, in, in that I always said, you can work at McDonald's, just try to own one. Try to be the manager or own one. Just be happy. Do what you love. Do your music. I always thought he, he should do music. So we, we leave the door open, but as parents, I think we do have a way of trying to domesticate our kids, or we do domesticate our kids into our world. And a lot of us try to get them to do the things that we wish we had or have the success that we wish we had. And when you can own up to things like that, you can love people. You can forgive people because you start to see your own mess. You start to see that just like you may be offended or you may have resentment, you have caused someone to feel resentful towards you by what you said, what you did. So when we realize that we're not perfect patties and perfect, well, I'll say perfect butterflies and perfect evolutions. I'll use, use the show. That we're not perfect and we have did some things. So we have to set people free so that we can be set free as well. I'll read a little bit more of this. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rodney. Um, I left off here where it says, um, even, for the, even for those of you who didn't have a particular traumatic experience with domestication, there are very few people who don't have some anger or bitterness over incidents that occurred during their formative years. Resentments that stem from past domestication are some of the biggest stumbling blocks to seeing others 
through the eyes of unconditional love. The word resentment is French in origin, and it literally means to feel again. One of the primary benefits of doing this work is that you no longer allow any conditioning or experience from the past to control you in the present or in the present. By definition, if you are holding on to resentment, then you are enslaved to the past. Something that has occurred, something already done, is actively causing you suffering now as you feel it again and again. So the resentment means you're feeling whatever, whoever, again and again. You're starting that fire and being consumed by it again and again. You're taking the poison, waiting for somebody to die again and again and again. And like Rodney said, his dad didn't even know. His dad didn't know he was setting fires. And the fires he was starting was hurting his own life. He didn't know he was drinking poison. Back over to you, Rodney. Tammy, what were you saying earlier about uh, people being afraid of speaking out or, um, you know, I guess trying to play the nice guy? You were talking about people being afraid to speak out earlier. It's the quote um, that, well, I keep saying quote, but it's the whatever it was they used for the picture. And it says, if you avoid conflict to keep the peace, you start a war inside yourself. So when you said that, um, uh, made me think about this scripture. Um, and it's Matthew ten thirty-five, And it says, from Jesus, for I am come, um, I'm sorry, Matthew 10, 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. So in relation to what you just said, Tammy, even Christ said, don't don't think he came to send peace on earth. He said, I came not to send peace but a sword. So don't think that you always have to play the nice guy. And like you said, uh, Tammy, you start a war within yourself. When you when you say and do certain things just to uh, keep the peace, you start a war within yourself. Because as it continues, verse 35, he says, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This is Christ saying this. He didn't come so that you would get along with everybody because the moment you start speaking the truth, Things are going to change. When your conversation is not the same as everybody else, don't think life is going to be easy. So don't avoid conversation or saying certain things 
because you're worried about keeping the peace. Because going to going back to what you just said, and I'll finish reading the rest of this, Tammy. If you're listening to this broadcast, think about the number of times when you know you should have said no, but you didn't, and you went ahead and did any did did whatever it was anyway. Let's think about this because I can tell you I've done it. I've been there. You go ahead and you do it anyway. And when you do it, you realize it didn't really matter if you said yes or no. Because after you've done it, you realize it wasn't worth it. Didn't really matter whether you did it or not. Or you feel used and abused after you've done it. You don't feel like you've made a difference. You don't feel like you've changed anything. You don't feel like the person that you did it for appreciates it, that they're grateful, or that they look at you any better than they did before you did it. However, you did it to get along. You went along to get along. So externally, it all looks great. But on the inside, now you're mad. You're upset, and you want to believe you're upset or mad with the other person. You make yourself believe that. How could they use me? I thought they were my friend. Why would they do such a thing? People are so selfish. Now you're doing all this arguing. But as Tammy said, now that war is going on with inside of you. You're not having this conversation with the other person. You're having, it, having this conversation with yourself. Stop going along to get along. Stop feeling like you always have to say yes. Stop feeling like you always have to do everything. Stop feeling like you have to say yes because somebody asked a question. You don't have to. And you shouldn't do anything that's going to cause you to resent the other person. I remember watching the Cosby show, and there was an episode where Theo came home really upset because his best friend, Cockroach, got a chance to be on this show with this celebrity. And his mom, Claire Huxtable, said, Sit down and tell me what happened. <clears throat> And he said, well, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. There was an opportunity to be on the set with this celebrity. They both, But there was only one slot left. So they both couldn't go. Him and his best friend couldn't go. So it turned into one of those, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. And they went back and forth. And then finally his friend said, all right, cool. I'll take it. So his friend got to be on with the celebrity. And Theo got mad. And his mom said, well, why are you mad? You told him to take it. And he said, yeah, but I didn't expect him to, to say okay. 
And his mom said, well, wait a minute. You had an opportunity to do this, and you said no. And he kept saying, well, but we're supposed to be friends. So that means that if one of us couldn't do uh, if both of us couldn't do it, no, neither one of us should have done it. And his mom said, no, 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 baby, that's not how it goes. You had an opportunity. You gave it up. You can't be mad at Cockroach because he took the, the opportunity. You can't, you can't be mad at him. <laughs> and he finally had to accept the fact that, you know what, I had an opportunity, and I didn't take it. So he resented Cockroach. He was mad at Cockroach, but guess what? You had the same opportunity. And that's what we do in life. We have an opportunity to be ourselves, and we won't do it. We have an opportunity to say no, but we say yes anyway. And then we get mad when people take advantage. Well, you open the door. You open the door for them to take advantage. Hey, How are Ryan, you going to get mad? Yes, ma'am. Can I jump in? Can I jump in for a minute? Because you 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 you're hitting it on the nail, especially with this part where we we say things, and but we want people to read our minds and do what we want them to do. How how people listen to that? Because boy, was I that person! Like boy, was I that person! And what ended up happening is the resent. Then now I have more resentment. Now I'm mad all over again, and like you said earlier, these people don't even know. But when you start speaking up, n- number one, when you, and that's, that's also why the resentment is first with yourself. Like you're really angry at you because you can't say no. You didn't say no, and they didn't, they didn't feed off of the, the crap, basically, and they, they just went along with what you said not what you wanted them to do that you did not share. But until we have, in speaking with a friend today about intimacy, she said her pastor spoke on intimacy this this past Sunday. And the way that he explained it is he said, basically, if if we cannot have a relationship or do not have a relationship with the creator, the person, the God that created us, who knows, everything about us, before, now, to come, all of that. If we can't have a relationship, if we can't have in that, that intimacy, that one-on-one relationship with the creator, and the way that he, he spoke about intimacy was into me, allowing someone to see into me, see, for, see me for who I am, see what hurts me. I'm okay to say, I don't, even if it doesn't make sense, this hurts me. And it could hurt me because of something that happened to me in my child, in, you know, my childbearing, in my years of being a child. So we never know. We never know what people have gone through. We never know what they've gone through, what marks it has left in their lives. And I think a lot of us grown people are just walking around wounded people because we never we never spoke up. We were part of the domestication. We were com- we had to conform. Now we are angry. And like Rodney said, you have missed so many more opportunities after that 
until the resentment is so high. There's so many buildings on fire that you set. Your body is full of poison, whether it be headaches, cancer, diabetes. You're just full of stuff, and you don't know why. And that goes back to these angry people that I felt like I kept meeting all day the other day. Like, what is wrong? What did I miss? Did I miss the angry button? Because I'm trying to be happy. Tim, you know why? Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 you're totally fine. No, you are totally fine. I'm just going to add to what you what you were just saying. Okay. I think the reason why we are so angry um, and why it it is easier to run into an angry or bitter um, or anything along those lines, I think it's, it's easier to run into those people because there are more people like that than we realize and that they even realize themselves. When I was younger, I was angry. But you couldn't tell me I was angry because I didn't know I was angry. And I didn't know why I was angry. To me, I was normal. To me, I had a right to walk around the way that I was. The problem was I was a child. And when I was a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child. I reasoned as a child, just like the Bible says. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The problem is boys have not become men. Boys have aged. They haven't become men. They've aged. So they are still doing childish things. Girls have not become women. They've aged. They have not put away childish things. And therefore, people are acting like children because they're thinking like children. So they talk like children. They do like children. And that's where our society is today. Before, and this is just the scientific method, before you start reaching for solutions, you must first recognize that there's, that, that there's even a problem. But we don't even see that there's a problem. We're bleeding, but can't seem to find the scab that we just peeled off. We don't know what the cut is. Why? Because we're not looking for it. Because even though we see that we're bleeding, uh, you know, there's no there's no there's no cut. There is a cut, you idiot. You're bleeding. So clearly there's a cut somewhere. There's a problem somewhere. We don't want to acknowledge that. And we're walking around angry and walking around bitter because we cannot say no. We're mad because we can't let go, because we can't forgive. That's why we're walking around so angry and so bitter. We're still mad about things that happened a year ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. We're still mad because we just can't let it go. Michael Vick, let's let's just go there real quick. There are people, this man was suspended from football 
when they first learned of his dog fighting allegations. He wasn't convicted of anything. And they keep leaving that part out, but I remember it because I follow football like that. He was suspended before he was even tried in a courtroom. He was suspended from the NFL. Then when he went to court, he was found guilty with the federal prison for two years. Not only that, he had to pay fines. Then when he got out of prison, he was suspended again for the first six games of the next season. I think they let him back after three. But he went through all of that. And there are still people talking about once a murderer, always a murderer. There are still people who are mad at Michael Vick for fighting dogs. That man went to prison, paid fines. He has, even now, he's still trying to make up for it. But people will not let it go. Now, granted, like I said earlier, no matter how much you say sorry, it doesn't change what you did. However, this man has paid his debt to society. But there are people who just will not let it go. But Michael Vick saying sorry, just like I also said earlier, like I said to my basketball team, that frees him. Michael Vick has got it right within himself, at least that's the way it seems. So he's able to move on. But those people who can't forgive him, they're in bondage. Even in the Bible when they wanted to stone the woman to death, talking about she was a prostitute sleeping with this man, that man, and everything. And Jesus just looked up and said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. He never said what sins were okay. Never said that, well, he who was without murder cast the first stone. He who was without um, cheating, lying, never went into all of that. He just said without sin. So without sin means anything that is considered a sin, if you don't have that on your resume, by all means, cast a stone. <laughs> so that also means that sin is sin in the eyes of God. So if you are that person who can't let something go, what they did to you is no bigger than what you've done to other people. Because there is no measure of sin. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And what God looks at is people's hearts. That's how David became king. And not his seven brothers that were passed before him. If it was about something else other than your heart, David would have never become king. When they were looking for a new king, and Jesse passed all of his sons, the first one, God said, I rejected him. 
Man looks at the outward appearance, but I'll look at the heart. And these very people who we look down on, who we're still mad at, you can be mad at them because of what they did to you. You're going to end up in hell for your unforgiving heart, and that person will end up in heaven because they got they, they got it right within themselves. They tried to get it right with you, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't let them, and they got it right with God. Learn how to let things go. It only blocks your blessings. It only blocks your progress. Let it go. It means nothing. If you feel like you need some additional help, get some additional help. But think back to the scripture that Tammy read that said, if you got something against your brother, go to him first. Just you and him. And if you can't settle it between the two of you, it said even before you go to the church, it said get two or three witnesses. And then if y'all can't figure it out, they go to the church. But we bypass all of that. And we call people up before we even talk to the person that we're mad at. Oh, I just needed to vent. That ain't what the Bible said. Don't be a, a, a Pharisee and a Sadducee and all the other hypocrites in the Bible. The Bible said if you got a problem with somebody, go to that person. And I'm just going to say this, and this ain't got nothing to do with it, but I'm going to say this. What bothers me is when people talk about how they follow the Bible, believe in the Bible, but then they do things that are not in the Bible. That 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 just blows my mind. Now I'm not. I, I get it. People, people are gonna mess up, but stop blatantly doing it. Like, huh? Or stop telling people that that's what you're following. Or if you're gonna do stuff, don't say, "Well, God forgives." God loves me anyway. No. Take ownership for what you did. One more thing, Tammy, because this just came to my mind, too. <laughs> you're all right. Hey, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Those of you in relationships that don't work out or that don't end well, stop playing the victim. Stop playing the victim. It is rare don't have something to do with the reason that it that it doesn't work. It is rare. Very rare. Like a steak with a whole bunch of pink in the middle. It is just very rare. Even if somebody is doing if somebody has done you wrong. In your relationship, don't act like you ain't. Don't act like you are completely innocent. Because even if 
let's say somebody cheats on you, and you've never cheated on them, you've never flirted, never done anything to that likeness. If you found out the first time, and you went back, and they did it again, and you went back, and they did it again, you went back, they did it again, you're just as guilty as they are, because why are you still there? <laughs> Stop acting like you're, you're the victim. Don't give somebody a belt and get mad when they hit you with it. Move. Leave. Because when you stick around, then all of a sudden people want to get mad, but you knew in the first place. The person that you were dating is the person that you married. The person that you engaged to, that's who you married. That man wasn't opening car doors before you got married. He ain't open no car door when you get married. <laughs> Okay, Rodney, but what if he did and he stopped? What happened? Do we have the right to be resentful? Just to throw it in now. What if he did and then he stopped when he when you get married to him? What do you do? Well, <laughs> if he no. did before y'all got if he did before y'all got married, and he stopped when y'all got married, I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, he gave you a sign and let you know he was a fake. But he made out door, but he let you know in some kind of way he was a fraud. No. I just that one. People tell on themselves I'm trying to tell you They tell on themselves If if that woman Wasn't cooking before you got married Why do you think she's going to cook now And maybe They don't tell you in the same way That they are fraud But they're going to tell you Maybe he opened the door every day Until y'all got married And then he changed up but he did something else outside of opening the car door to let you know he a fraud. You just wasn't watching. Mm. And then I think Rodney, you have a you, you have a whole other situation that goes on from there. Um, we could get into expectations of of people, and 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 if I have to use expectations, I'm going to say unexpressed expe- expectations. Like we have all of these. You keep me on here to midnight. <laughs> I know many that that we don't even people. It's like that intimacy thing. I haven't even let you inside of me. And when I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the sexual inside of inside of you. Meaning, being naked, spiritually naked in front of people. Um, I, I hope this. Well, well, maybe she is listening. But the same friend I was talking to today, and she says you must think I'm crazy. Um, and I said, yeah, you want the truth? Yeah, I do. But she was now now. Obviously, these these two are together. They they love each other, but they keep having all these, you know, running into these doors. And there's something that he wants to help her through, but she's so afraid to allow him to help her through it. She says, "I don't want him to see me break down." And I'm like, "You what? You are you guys are together, and you don't want." The man in your life to see you cry about something that is hurting you, really, mm. really. That's tough. So how is he supposed to connect with you if you can't cry? I said his shirt should be 
snotted up is what I said, and, and, you know, she laughed, because that's the very person that you should be able to cry on and to and with, especially if he's offering to help you. But that's just how shallow we are. That's how afraid we are to live, to love, to be hurt, to be vulnerable. And that's how we grow. That's how we learn. But it's because we want people, just like we've we've been forced into this um, domestication, we've, we've had kind of feel like we've been forced to kind of conform to some patterns of the world for whatever reason, and that has caused us to be very resentful because now, again, we are living lives, most of us, doing things that we don't want to do. You, you, I'll speak to young girls, well, young adult girls, who are in professions that they did not want to go in, but they wanted to please mama and please dad. And they, now they feel stuck, they're miserable, they're unhappy, they're resentful towards the people, like Rodney said, that matters the most to them. How do you live a happy life if the people that bought you into this world you feel resentment towards and then and even afraid to go and say, you know, I didn't want to do this. I felt forced to do it. That alone may make you feel, that may break something in you. And it pro- I don't want to say may, it, I think it will. When we when we express the woes, the whys, our own truth, and you'll you'll probably get what Rodney's at. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, what? But you'll get a conversation. You'll get some understanding. And we are afraid of that conflict because conflict is not going to just be about someone else. It's got to be about. You too, because I don't think there's ever one wrong person in everything. If there's an argument, you got two wrong people in two different ways. Both both have contributed to it. But Rodney has brought up the forgiveness word. And if nothing else, because if you are resentful toward anything and anybody, then you have not forgiven them. And, and there is no other way to say that. I want to read something. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rodney. Um, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to share one verse and then turn it back over because I know you're going to say something on this one. Um, it says, Resolving Resentment. And this is this little book that I had to pick up on Saturday because my other one runs out on every Friday and picks back up on Monday. And this is the page that I opened it up to. It says, Resolving Resentment. Resentment is the cocaine of the emotions. It causes our blood to pump and our energy level to rise. But also, like cocaine, it demands increasingly large and more frequent dosages. There is a dangerous point at which anger ceases to be an emotion and becomes a driving force. A person bent on revenge moves unknowingly further and further away from being able to forgive. For to be without the anger is to be without a source of energy. Okay? So I'm going to say this again. If you have resentment towards someone, you've not forgiven them. And rarely will I say clearly there's no, there's no this or that. My opinion is you've not forgiven them. 
And I'm going to read this one scripture, and I'm going to turn it over because I know Rodney's going to take this one on and out. Matthew 6 and 14, and I think I'm going to do 15. I think I have to do 15. Um, For if ye forgive men their their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is this is the words of Jesus. This is not Paul's. This is the words of Jesus. So, where does that leave us? And Rodney said it, and I hope I'm going to quote you exactly like you said it. You're going to mess around and let your unforgiveness send you straight to hell. The ties won't matter. The good deeds won't matter. Find yourself in hell. So, I thank God for 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 putting me in this state of forcing me to forgive people, and I'm still working on it. But I know that I know that I know that I must forgive. I must. It is it is to me a commandment that I forgive. After reading what I just read to you, Matthew six fourteen through fifteen. So I ask the question as I turn it back over to you, Rodney. Who are you taking poison for? And who are you waiting? Who are you waiting on to die from that poison? What buildings are you setting on fire, only to be consumed by it? You don't even you set it you you, you set it so much on fire you don't have time to get out. You're the arsonist that is consumed by the very fire that you start. That is what's happening with resentment. It affects every area, every relationship in and of your life. Back over to you, Rodney. Tammy? (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, (laughs) You made me think of something. With that, with that last uh, comment, Matthew six. <laughs> Funny thing is, I was actually going to, uh, I was actually going to go there, <laughs> but, uh, but you made me think of something. Um, and so I'm going to go to Matthew eighteen, verse twenty one, and it says, "Then came Peter to him and said, Lord." How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forget him? And I forget him. Question mark. Till seven times. Question mark. Then Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. I'll read that again. It says, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So here's this servant who couldn't afford to pay. So his Lord said, 
sell him, his wife, and his kids, and everything else that he has, and make the payment. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So here's this servant who's in debt. Here's this person who's in debt. And the person he's indebted to says, sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, anything else he owns. Sell all of them and sell everything. Sell it. And then he decides to fall down and worship. And he's begging, have patience. <coughs> Just give me a chance, I'll pay everything. This is what he says. And then the person that he owes everything to or owes all of these things to has compassion on him. And forgave him of his debt. But check this out, Sammy. Verse 28. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pieces. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. He didn't choke the man, saying, Thank me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. So same situation, but the one who was forgiven, now he's in a position to forgive somebody else, and he says, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison so he should pay the debt. So now this person has just been forgiven. By their Lord. They've been forgiven. But then they don't want to forgive other people. I owe you money, Tammy, and I want you to forgive me. But when you do, I'm going to Tamaria, and I want, I'm not going to have the same compassion on Tamaria. That I want you to have on me Verse 31 So when his fellow servants saw What was done They were very sorry <clears throat> And they came and told unto their lord All that was done Then his lord after that He had called him Said unto him O thou wicked servant I forgave thee all that debt Because thou desirest me Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So, here's the thing when it comes to forgiveness. 
If you don't forgive other people, don't expect God to forgive you. If you can't let go of what has happened to you, don't expect God to let go of the things that you have done. And some of you might be comparing your sins to other people's sins. Well, I only lied to them, but this other person molested me. So that ain't what God said. God said if you want to be forgiven by him, you got to learn to forgive other people. If you want him to let go of the things that you've done, you got to learn to let go of the things that other people have done. The same way you have done wrong is the same way other people are going to do wrong to you. Because it also says in the Bible, the same way that you judge, you are going to be judged. So when you can't let go of things, when you're walking around mad at people, guess what? God is going to walk around mad at you. When you walk around bitter, just know that God is bitter with you too. Because who are you that you're so special? Who are you that you deserve special treatment? I have about three chairs in my class, Tammy, that have wheels on them. And there are always two or three chairs to try to take those chairs with wheels on them. And my first question is, who are you? That everybody else has these hard chairs that don't move, but you deserve a chair with wheels on it. God looks at us in the same way. So no matter what has happened to you, you've been treated unfairly, you've been profiled by the police or some other law enforcement, you've been lied on, you've been cheated, you've been backstabbed. You've been molested, you've been raped, you've had loved ones to be murdered. No matter how big or small, who are you that you can't forgive somebody? And I'm going to say this again, Tammy. To everyone listening, don't end up in hell because you can't forgive the person who wronged you and they end up in heaven. Don't be that person. Because God looks at the heart. And I want to say it's Isaiah, but I can't remember. I'll find it and and I'll share it later. But it says that God's ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. So what you think is appropriate may not be appropriate in God's eyes. What you might think is right may not be right with God. 
So before you start to say, before you start to give your two cents, like we love to do, don't don't speak for God. Because when you close your eyes, the only person you can answer for is you. And don't be standing there trying to figure out how to answer the question, why is it that you never forgave so-and-so? Don't be standing there trying to figure out why did you let the sun go down on your wrath? Don't stand there and try to figure out why is it that you presented gifts at the altar all your life but never went back and got it right with your brother. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Because even with the story of the rich man and the poor man, it talked about how the poor man just wanted the crumbs from the rich man's table. But when the poor man died, he he was in paradise. But when the rich man died, he lifted his eyes in hell and he saw from afar. And he asked, can he just dip some cool wood on my tongue? Because, see, on earth, it was totally different. One man thought he had it all. He thought he had it all. He thought he had it all together. But then he died and realized that he didn't. Don't be that person. (laughs) Tammy, I remember you saying one time, you'd rather live like there is a hell. You'd rather live like there is a hell. Than to than to live like there isn't, and to find out that there is one. It's time for us to do things just because they are the right thing to do, not because we're looking for something in return, not because we're trying to avoid this place of fire and brimstone. But you know what? I'm I'm going to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. That's where we have to get to. We have to get to a place like Job where, you know what, God, even if you don't bless me, I'm going to serve you anyway. Because here's the thing. In case you didn't know, everybody who died before Jesus died and resurrected, they didn't go to heaven where God is. They went to what is known as Upper Hades. And if you do your research, you'll probably find out something you never knew before. Tammy, back over to you. I'll see we have about 12 minutes. Okay, let's see. How do we get all this in? Um, okay, I wanted I wanted to go back to one of the verses that you mentioned in Matthew about um, what Jesus said. He didn't come for peace, but 
for division, you know, the mother against the daughter and, and, and so on and so on. Um, I remember writing the first time that I read that and I understood what it said. And I I just, I remember, as I did with you and Tamari on another verse, I, at that time I texted some people and was like, you got to read this and tell me what you, what you think. But... I, I get so much out of that, and it, and it made me think about, for those of you who are listening, write this down, and maybe after the show or sometime this week, go back, go on YouTube, and there is a Pastor Jim Sambala, and there is a video where he is, oh, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So my house shall be called a house of prayer by Jim Sambala. And when I think about that verse, and I think about about us, um, when you start to, when you have, when you when you get that relationship with God, like what Rodney said, when you just want to do right um, because it is the right thing to do. I love, and I think Miss, I, I think Miss Erlene may be still on with us, but one of the many things that she says just holds on to my heart or stays in my heart. But one thing she says is you just do what's right and let God handle the consequences. And that statement that I made about I'd rather, I'd rather try to live to get to heaven and find out that there is not one than live, live like I want to live, do me, do my flesh, and find out that I missed out on heaven. I'd rather do it right and find out there is none, no such thing. I'd just be okay with that. And so when you start to live your life in such a way, when you see people as authentic human beings that you are here to love unconditionally, to see them with those kingdom eyes, love them with that kingdom heart, and listen with kingdom ears. When that is your desire, when that is how you live, that is your foundation rather than this place of resentment, that will, in some cases, many cases, that will first set division. Because people are, we're, we're in this state, in this world where society has become so phony and so fake that the truth will piss them off before anything. And I'm going to say that again. This world, we've allowed it because we, we, we've, we're too quiet. We accept everything, anything. So we have this society, this world that is so fake and so full of themselves, so egotistic, until the truth, they know it is the truth, but it will piss them off beyond anything. And to me, that division, that's, that's division. When you're able to say, this is who I am, I'm God-fearing, God-loving. I'm going to allow God to change my life. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to speak what's right. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to love you regardless. And it, it ain't got nothing to do with you. 
that is going to bring about division initially. Which brings me back to this this video with Jim Sabala. And this is a video about his, his, his he and his, his family, basically. And he is a pastor, and I believe in New York. And he, he has a daughter who is just set on doing what she wants, how she wants, whenever she wants. And he finally has to make the decision. She has to go. She has to go. And so, of course, this almost killed his marriage because you have a mama here saying, no, you're not going to put our baby girl out. And he's saying, she has to go. We don't live this life. But he never stopped praying for her. His congregation never stopped praying for her. The end result is life-changing. So I say it again. YouTube, my house shall be called a house of prayer by Jim Simbala. If you can't find it, call me, Facebook me something, and I'll get it to you. But it is an eye-opener. So rather than be resentful by people who offend you, why don't you think about how many people you've offended that is stuck because of something you did to them or something you said to them because of your egotistic ways. And so with that, I'm going to read this and I'm going to turn it back over to Rodney to, to close out. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. And again, think about offended, being offended or offending someone. This comes from Matthew 17 and 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast a, and cast a hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that and give unto them for me and thee. And that key word in there is lest we should offend them. Jesus was concerned about offending someone. And, of course, this is where the, the tax levy for the temple, which, which Jesus was saying that, you know, I'm not obliged to pay this, and neither should my disciples. But still he said, lest we should offend them. So how often throughout your day do you worry about offending opposed to being offended and why? Especially if you're doing kingdom living. So Rodney, I'll turn it back over to you. Tammy, do you have any announcements, anything coming up uh, in Memphis or the surrounding areas <laughs> or anywhere else that you're working on? Not right now that I have confirmed. Not right now. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, for those of you guys who missed our first Sunday inspirational message, uh, we invite you to go back and listen to it. Uh, we were on the air yesterday morning um, talking about fighting temptation, so if you missed our inspirational message, 
Uh, we would love for you to go back and listen to it. Um, we hope that you will get something out of it. I'm going to close by reading Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 31st verse and the 32nd verse. And it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So that's what it's telling you to get rid of and not to do. And in verse 32, it tells you what to do, and that is be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Resentment will only lead to destruction. Resentment leads to other sins that are only going to get you in trouble. It's only going to lead you down a path that you would wish that you were never on in the first place. There are no good things that will come from resentment. And you have to understand that. Tammy, I'm so glad that you brought up this topic. It is one that I can relate to. It is one that I felt like I could offer um, some advice, um, a few pointers. And Tamaria just yelled from the back that is one that she can relate to as well. Um, oftentimes, I don't think we realize the power of resentment. We don't realize the power that we give other people because we don't realize the power that we have within ourselves. No one is in control of you. If you think back to Genesis, God gave man dominion over everything except Another man And even when he talked about man And woman He said The woman would be a help meet And meet Is spelled M-E-E-T Not M-E-A-T In the book of Genesis You all think about that Remember The power Is yours because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. We hope that you guys have a blessed week. Please know that we love and appreciate you. You could be anywhere this Monday night, but for some reason, you guys continue to spend it with us. It is not taken for granted but we hope that you will continue to support the show. And not only support the show, but start inviting friends. Until next Monday, have a blessed evening. Good night, everybody.
No! 